0: Grace and mercy and peace to you from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lent. For a lot of people, Lent is a season for making some kind of resolution. You know, they, they give up chocolate or sweets, or I know somebody give up video games. They're going to pray more or, or actually go to church every Sunday. But beyond that, many of us, I think, have little understanding of what Lent is about. I want to help us understand, if I can, and engage this season uh, more appropriately. So I want to tell you about my mom. My mother had a love of gardening. For her, the winter was a miserable time. She grew up in Vancouver, B.C. Now, um, it is not tropical there, But it is way milder than the rest of Canada, like way milder and rainy. So that if you flip through a big coffee table book of the best gardens in Canada, books like my mother actually had, uh, you'd notice that most of the best gardens were somewhere near Vancouver. No snow, long growing season, lush. The rest of Canada refers to Vancouver as lotus land, okay? So when mom moved east with my dad, she never really came to terms with Ontario winters. Give us a land of lakes and a land of snow. We'll call this land Ontario. That totally deflated my mother. She hated that. Okay? As, as a kid, I remember her on a January morning in her dressing gown and slippers, mournfully looking at the window at her frozen flower beds. She'd be smoking a cigarette, either cursing the snow or dreaming about the spring. When the ground finally thawed, a phenomenon known as the spring thaw, she was giddy, full of beans, bustling out to the shed in her rubber boots and stuff. My mother, my brother, my sister and I, though, were less than thrilled because we knew the spring thaw meant yard work and a lot of it. Between the frozen winter and the fruitful spring, see, there's this time, the thaw. And it meant a few weekends of hard work. The dead plants and debris had to be cleared. The soil turned over. The beds fertilized. Everything had to be prepared. So the garden my mom had been dreaming about all winter could become a reality. Lent actually the, the, the where does that word come from? It actually means spring in some kind of old English, but it 's like that thaw, the thaw, the thaw between winter and spring. why? because it 's a time of preparation. Now, Lent is a season when we are invited to prepare the soil of our lives for growth. See because <clears throat> Winter is an issue also for us. Though now I'm speaking in spiritual terms. I'm speaking now of spiritual winter. The Bible says that there is a winter that has come to the souls of all humanity. The freeze-up is not what God originally intended for us, but it's come nonetheless. Originally, God placed mankind in a lush garden, the Garden of Eden. It was a real place, outwardly. But it was also a time and a place of verdant, beautiful life internally, spiritually, for the first people. Watered with holiness, with love, with wisdom, there was this close, close fellowship with God and with each other, in short, what the Bible calls life. What happened? Adam sinned. The first parents, our parents, the progenitors of the entire human race, sinned. They they blotted out the light of God from their hearts. And this brought on sudden winter to their souls and ultimately to their bodies as well. Death. Romans 5, reading we had tonight, says, Sin came into the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Death reigned. Winter, I'm calling it. Long my frozen spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. What did God do with all this? Well, if winter had come to the human race through one man, then God would send another man, one remarkable man, to bring back the spring, even his son, Jesus Christ. And this man would give to all He'd give to all what it was that he brought. Springtime. That is a renewed, close, close fellowship with God and with each other. He'd bring back holiness and love and wisdom. He would give all this heavenly warmth as a free gift. Spiritual spring to whosoever would believe. Again, from Romans 5, we read, For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. If, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Christ brings and gives life, spring to the world. Fields of our hearts that dead and bare have been, love is come again like wheat arising green. The gospel reading from Matthew shows that this bringing and giving of spring was no easy thing for Christ. Winter, sin and temptation had first to be defeated and to be defeated by a man. If the first man had fallen to it and brought in winter, then the new man would have to defeat it in order to bring in spring. And that's what we see happening in Matthew chapter 4 tonight. Jesus is tempted directly and in person by the devil, by the old scratch. This had happened too to Adam and Eve, and they went down. Since then, the devil has had a pretty easy time tempting all of Adam's children, all humans, to follow suit. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But then came a new man, fully a man, yet mysteriously born of a virgin by the overshadowing power of God the Holy Spirit, such that there was one thing this new man did not have from Adam. Indwelling winter. You and I have that. But he didn't. Christ did not. He had no sin, which is why I call him new. Now, the devil certainly wanted to change that. And when Satan had this Jesus alone in the Judean wilderness for 40 days, he tried to get him to to veer off course, to veer his heart, even a couple of degrees from devotion and obedience to God, his Father. The devil would have come up to him saying, come on, Jesus, Take care of yourself, just a little. Just open your door to a touch of fall. That couldn't be bad. But the Lord would have none of it. He stood where Adam had fallen. Now what were these temptations Jesus faced? (laughs) Well, they were not the -the run-of-the-mill temptations to sin that you and I face. These were pretty unique to Christ. Who is the one come to restore spring. See, for Christ to accomplish that spring-restoring mission, he had to go to the cross. There's no other way to do this. That is where he, the sunshine of God, would as a man bear the wintry blast of guilt and death on behalf of the descendants of Adam. Romans 5 says, For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, now Jesus Christ, the many will be made righteous. So it was to the cross Jesus had to obediently go. I'm not going to analyze in any detail the three temptations he faced. Maybe another year on this Sunday or this Saturday night, another year I will. But this, for now, it's enough to know that all of the devil's temptations were to get Jesus to swerve even a little from God's saving plan of dying on that terrible cross. Fine. Pick another plan, Jesus. I've got other options. Get, him, get Jesus to swerve from God's plan. The devil came to him. Don't you think, Jesus, it would be just as good for the world that you love so much if you, if you ruled all its kingdoms as king or maybe as president If you were the emperor of the world, and I can give you that, you know, says the devil, then you could use all your miraculous power to bring change and make everybody happy. Yeah, think of that. With Jesus ruling, everyone would be fed. Beer would flow from the taps. We wouldn't even need Band-Aids anymore. But you know what would not change? Deadly winter in the souls of men they still wouldn't have fellowship with the holy God because sin creates a chasm between God and man. Warmth and life on one side of it, cold and death on the other. For sunshine from heaven to shine in people's souls, there had to be a propitiation of God. There had to be an atonement for sin, an end to that chasm for all the forgiveness of sins. And that could only come by the perfect man of spring Suffering winter on behalf of all on the cross. Thank God that Jesus obeyed his Father and out of compassion for us was unbendable. Shedding temptation, he continued on to perform that one mighty atoning act of righteousness. An act we remember and thank God for on Good Friday. One act of righteousness, as Romans 5.18 says, that leads to justification and life for all men. Okay. So then what is Lent? As I already said, Lent is like the spring thaw. It's not just about little outward practices that we take on. Though actually those can be helpful, but only if we're paying attention to where change really needs to happen. Not outwardly, but in our hearts. Lent is about having the spring thaw happen inside. Come there. Because the thing is, you need to understand our situation. And let me uh, warn you, our situation is not simple. Nevertheless, it's important to understand. So please keep paying attention while I try to explain the complexities of our situation. Our situation is that you and I have both winter and spring inside us now at the same time. Now, I realize such a combo does not happen in the actual weather on any given day, but it does actually happen inside us. Harsh winter and glorious spring, both at the same time. How can we have two vastly different things going on inside of us? Because we are not people who come from one father, Adam, Adam. We come from two because we also come from Christ, Adam and Christ, those of us who are Christians. We don't have only one progenitor, but if we have been born not only in a hospital delivery room, but also born again spiritually at the baptismal font, then we now have two births a physical and a spiritual. We have two progenitors, Adam and Christ, two natures, sinful and faithful, two seasons at work in us, winter and spring. Both are in us, and they both seek to be our dominant weather system. However, where we focus our attention, where we focus our love and our effort, can make a radical difference as to the spiritual weather We enjoy and experience. Lent says that we don't have to shuffle around in self centeredness, self pity, and lovelessness, staring out the window at the dead flower beds. That's winter. We got it in us, but we don't have to dwell there. Why don't we have to be there? Because the spring has come. Now, it's not summer, that will be heaven, but spring has definitely come to the earth in Jesus Christ. I'm gonna live in that, he's in me, I'm gonna live in that spring. I'm gonna turn my back on that old winter. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna make spring thaw preparations to go from one to the other, clearing the dead plants and debris, turning the soil over, preparing the beds. The hard work in Lent now is going to result in a terrific garden, azaleas and everything, spiritually speaking, a few weeks down the road. All right, so let me move away from the metaphors and get practical about what let means or can mean. If we'll do the work, cleaning the dead plants and debris, that's like turning away from sins. You know, we can get comfortable with them, in a rut with them, doing nothing about them. Winter behavior. But springs come. There's forgiveness. So rake them up. And bring them to the cross of Christ. Hand them over to Jesus. He's dealt with them by his death. And when you confess them and hand them over, he'll forgive them and get rid of them. Proverbs 28, 13 says, Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. So clean up. It's a big emphasis in Lent. That's why we go over God's commandments in some detail on Ash Wednesday. We're raking up our sins and we're handing them over. Incidentally, if you were not able to make it to Ash Wednesday worship, um, we've um, printed up extra copies of the Ash Wednesday bulletin. They're on a table back there. You could take one home and pray through it. Read and pray through it. This is spring thaw cleanup work. Turning the soil over. There's another... Another one. I would liken that to fasting. I don't liken it to dieting, which is not the same thing as fasting. It's not? No. Why do we diet? Well, we say it's in order to be healthier. And that is partly true. The other part is we diet in order to look sexier, more attractive to the opposite sex, frankly, right? And listen, I'm not saying that any of that's wrong. I'm just saying that it's not what fasting is. Fasting is done unto God. It's to focus on him, not on my appearance or my health. When I fast, I say, you know what? I I really do want to eat this oatmeal raisin cookie. Or I, I actually really do want to eat this piece of pizza. It smells great. But God, I want you more. I want you more. It's interesting. I think you'll find when you fast that it's a bit of a shock how much you think about food. I know for me, I'm like, what am I, the cat? My mind won't stop meowing about that lousy piece of pizza. You become aware of how much your appetites make you tick and how little God does. It's humbling. But fasting is like turning the soil over. Appetites used to be on top, getting all the attention. God was somewhere underneath. When we fast, turn that over... We practice turning that over. And yeah, there's some suffering involved in fasting, but we look forward to the garden that's going to grow when we turn that soil over, closest to God and others, rather than life being all about my wants. And let me just say that doing this, turning from sin and also fasting, these practices are not going to make you more forgiven or more righteous, or more loved. Because your forgiveness and your righteousness and God's love for you has already come. It's already come fully. They're an accomplished fact. They're just there for you in Christ. What these practices do do is help you move your experience into this spring that's come and out of that old winter. And one more practice I'll mention, probably the most important of all, planting seeds, planting bulbs. By that, I am referring to God's Word. God himself refers to the words of the Bible as seed. It's got to be well planted in you and me. And the spring thaw, Lent, is a great time to go, oh yeah, I I, I better get busy with the planting of the seed of God's Word in me. It's, it's, folks, it's just as simple as this. No seed, no garden, no springtime spiritual experience. That's <laughs> what it is. People often say to me, oh, but pastor, listen, I pray. I pray all the time, every day. Good, really good. Because prayer is also very, very important. What's prayer? Prayer is talking to God. But you know what prayer isn't? It's not seed. The seed is God's word. God's word is him talking to us. Prayer is us talking to him. Let's have both. But without God's word, your prayers are watering nothing. Now, if you flip in your bulletin, to near the back. You can do it now or later, but you'll see it. There's a because you'll find a page and a half of suggested Lenten practices. Um, some have talked about here. Include the schedule of re- for reading the Gospel of Matthew uh, in this season before Easter comes. Uh, have a look at these things. Uh, read them over, uh, you know, when we finish the last hymn. Today, Christine usually plays something quite wonderful. While she's playing something wonderful, you could read it then. Or uh, while you're sitting down, before or after communion, but somehow have a look at them. And this Lent, pick something and go for it. As I said, it will not make you more righteous or loved in God's eyes because you are baptized into and believe in Christ. You could not be more righteous, saved, or loved than you already are. All that's already there. Christ has come. Spring has come. But what will change is your experience of the spring. Like azaleas and everything. And that is a garden worth working for. Amen. Now may the peace of God which transcends all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus for life everlasting. Amen.